So it was a really rough day, and rather than banging her scuba tank into the brain coral, she just lightly touched her hand one second and pushed off the brain coral because she didn't want to damage it. When she went back a week later, her handprint is bleached into that coral. It's been close to a year, and it's still there. Hello and welcome to the Key West Perspective podcast, a show about island life and the people who live it right here in Key West, Florida. If you love stories about creative places, learning lessons from quirky characters, and want to walk away from each week's episode with an adventurous outlook on life, no matter where you live, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carrie Bond of Bondfire Studio here in Key West. I'm a photographer, writer, and social media content director. And through my work, I share stories about our little slice of paradise here in the Florida Keys. Whether you squirt it, spray it, or pump it, one thing is certain. If you're in Key West, you're outside and enjoying life on the water. But if you're the unlucky coral larva recently spawned into the open ocean awaiting your chance to cling to a passing surface so you can begin your slow, steady journey to growing into a rocky habitat for fish and sea life to call home, those sounds might sound something more like a horror film. We depend on coral reefs for food, for storm safety, for an income. If the corals die, we go with it. A lot of these people that are against this ordinance, their livelihood does not change if the corals go away. But us residents, us locals, our lives do change. Every year, thousands of visitors flock to the Barrier Reef by private boat, by charter, and catamaran to take in the sights beneath the surface, totally unaware of the unintentional mess they are leaving behind. Similarly, thousands of local residents enjoy poolside chats with friends, they work outside, they run errands, stop off at the beach on a lazy afternoon, all theoretically while protecting themselves from the sun. While most people have a great respect for the underwater world and its residents, many do not realize what happens when they jump in off the boat or shower off after a hot day. What they are sending down the drains and into the oceans is growing in consequence for both our environment and our own bodies. This debate of safe sunscreen is one that I became familiar with probably about seven or eight years ago when a friend came by my work to ask me if I was interested in buying some quote, re-friendly sunscreen. I never heard of such a thing, but he told me all about it. Now, hey, I like the environment as much as the next guy, but I'm also a marketer. So I brushed it off as eh, just another way for the sunscreen companies to make money. I think he gave me a sample. I may or may not have even used it. I honestly can't remember. But other than that, I did not think about it very much after that, save for occasionally getting admonition from a friend of mine who is a stringent label reader and suggested I not use spray sunscreen on my daughter. But other than that, it hasn't really ever been a big issue for me personally. Then recently, it came up as a topic of conversation in Key West as the city commission put forward a bill that would actually ban the sale of certain types of sunscreen within the city. 
when I found out I had a contact through an old friend who was working with one of the alternative sunscreen companies, that is, the ones who don't use chemicals in their products, I asked if he'd be willing to come over to the studio and talk about the topic and educate us on the differences between chemical and mineral-based sunscreens. We got into all kinds of things, endocrinology, coral reproductive systems, cross-dressing fish, and even, get this, micropenises. Yep. You heard me right. Even if you don't give two hoots about the level of octanoxate in a yellowtail fillet, if you want your junk to work right, you probably should care about this topic. Now, I know I have some friends who don't agree and some who do uh, with the ban. And I'm not your usual kind of crunchy type who gets all high and mighty about the plastic vessel you drink out of or whether your shoes are biodegradable. So this isn't really a topic I ever thought I would be interested in learning about. But I do think knowledge is power. Just like I'm sure there were skeptics when they first told us asbestos would cause cancer or that lead paint was toxic. I mean, right, there used to be ads for cigarettes showing that it was a doctor's favorite brand. So as research comes out and science gets better, I think it's a good conversation to have. I think it's good information to hear so that you can make a smart decision about what you put onto your body, how you protect your kids, and how we take care of the world around us. My guest today is one such person who learned early on the direct effect a toxic substance can have. He spent his young life in Hawaii surfing the Hanama Bay area, and 20 years ago, his thyroid stopped working, and he was told that it was likely triggered due to environmental toxins. Come to find out, the Hanama Bay area is known for having high levels of octanoxate and oxybenzone, the two main chemicals in question with regard to the safe sunscreen topic. He's taken medication for it ever since. It messes with his hormones, his temperature regulation, and his metabolism. After retiring, he was pulled back into this as a passion, working for a company that he said, quote, is the most ethical and clean that I have ever found, end quote. That company is Stream to See, and my guest today is their executive vice president, Mike Maltaire. I definitely think the information was valuable and interesting, and I hope you do too. Hi everybody, welcome. Today I have Stream to See, and they are a company that manufacture and advocate for environmentally safe sunscreen. And I'm gonna let you, Mike, uh, introduce yourself and tell us kind of what you guys do and how you got into this. Sure, well, my name is Mike Maltaire. Uh, I am with Stream to See. We are the only company that we're aware of, mineral sunscreen and body care products that are tested and proven not to harm humans, freshwater fish, saltwater fish, sea elegans, and coral larvae. Sea elegans, what is that? Yeah, they're kind of the little slugs on the bottom and things like that. Things that have very porous skin that really react to things quickly. Um, things like coral larvae and the, the nudibranchs and things like that are kind of the canaries in the coal mine, right? Their skin is so porous or they're so fragile that they react very quickly to environmental changes. Mm -hmm. And how did you, I saw in your bio that you're from Hawaii originally, is that correct? I am. I have a lot of family still in Hawaii. I actually grew up in Hanama Bay. My uncle was a University of Hawaii researcher and he did a lot of work with volcanoes, but he was actually testing in Hanama Bay for a lot of different things when I was a child. The reason I got into this is many-fold. Um, part of it is that I have environmental toxin issues. My endocrine system has been compromised by environmental toxins. And in Hanama Bay, when I was a child, there were so many fish that you couldn't move without running into them. 
So, I mean, literally, you're touching fish. It was freaking people out. It was fun to watch the tourists. And we know it's a bad thing now, but when I was a kid, we would put frozen peas into our friend's um, swim shorts, oh. <laughs> and, the, and the fish would literally go into your pants to try to get these things. So it was hilarious. We had so much fun with it. Oh, that's a it. good prank. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good prank, especially when they're not expecting it. When I took my kids back probably 10 years ago... I mean, now I'm 50, so I was in the water 44 years ago through about, you know, 40 years ago, three or four times a month. When I take my kids back about 10 years ago, they say, this is a beautiful bay, but why are we here? Most of the fish are gone. It's like right? just sand and... It looks like rock. When you end up with reef that dies, it just kind of looks like rock. So there are fish there, and it is a beautiful bay, but the coral's not alive. Right? The, the fish are not reproducing in that bay any longer. Well, 6,000 tourists a day get into this key, and all of them are wearing toxic sunscreen. The beauty of that bay is there's not a lot of other toxins that go into it other than humans, right? So most of the people are going to say, well, it could be wastewater treatment. It could be from fertilizer running into the streams. It could be all these different things. There's none of those running into Hanama Bay. So it's a beautiful test spot. You know, we heard that in the city council meeting last night. There's so many things that affect the reef, and that's true. Mm -hmm. We're not zealots. We know that there's a whole bunch of things. It's not just sunscreen. The beauty of it is is sunscreen something that we can change really quickly. Yeah, and that's you said that you know that the coral starts to die and looks like rock. So my first thing that I thought of is, have we have we done the damage? Like, is it done, or can that be reversed? Is that something that if we start making changes now, you know, you're you're obviously advocating and trying to get this ban passed here in Key West among other people. And I'm just curious, is the damage already done? Beautiful question. I love that. Um, I always think there's hope. Right? And when I was in Kaneohe Bay working with some of the marine scientists there, they have this beautiful program that's it's really amazing to watch. I had no idea. They have a way of fracturing coral, and then as it is about to reproduce, they put it under extreme stress. And usually that stress is temperature. So say, and I'm just throwing numbers out here, these are not exact, but say the coral is used to 75 to 78 degrees of temperature and it starts to bleach at 78. They raise the temperature to say 80 degrees right before the babies come out, right? Right before they're, they're reproducing. Those new babies say 80 degrees is our norm, right? So they're getting to the point where the part where they're talking about with like climate change and things like that and ocean acidification and all those sort of things, the baby corals can handle the heat difference. So they're almost like imprinting, or, or not really imprinting, but it's like they're born into a, a different environment, so that's what they know. Right, it's a new norm, mm -hmm. right? So they're able to handle the temperature. They're not able to handle the poison. Gotcha. Right? So if we don't get rid of the pollution part of it, yes, we're going to have a problem. So when I talk to the people in Kaneohe, they figure we have about 15 years. If we can get everything out of the ocean that's killing all of this stuff in the next 15 years, then terrific. It'll take about 20 years of them planting these corals. And we had a number of people test testifying last night that they're planting corals all the time. The 20 years will take care of it. The, the reef will come back. It will be able to survive. And the important part, I think one person touched on it last night, uh, about 70% of our oxygen for the planet comes from the ocean. According to those folks in Kaneohe, and I don't know, I wasn't one of their scientists, I didn't do their research, but according to them, if we don't hit that 15-year mark, their estimation is by 2050, 2 billion people are going to starve 
because wow. they count on the ocean and it won't be able to supply them with the food that they need. Wow. And that was actually another one of my questions because, you know, as we started to talk about before we started the interview, you know, I my knowledge of sunscreen prior to recently was I put it on and I go outside. Right. And and I have friends who are much more, you know, conscious and kind of pay attention to this stuff a little bit more and, you know, would sort of be horrified by the, the products <laughs> I was using. Um, and if she's listening, she'll be laughing when she hears me say that. Well, I'm judging you for it right Yeah, now. thank you. <laughs> I, I, you know, but education is, is the start, right? Right. And um, people who are like, oh, great. Okay, save the birds, big deal. You know what I mean? Like, what would you say to somebody who's kind of a skeptic in that regard, where they're, yeah. they're not so much worried about the environment, but can you say something to that person that would be like, no, this directly affects you in this way? Sure. I wish I even had the, the, the gentleman's name, but there's a Swedish scientist that did a study that came out actually the same day that Hawaii announced that they were going to ban these chemicals. And in his study, he looked at benzophenones. So benzophenones would be like oxybenzone, avobenzone, things like that. Oxybenzone is the one that everybody's trying to ban right now. In his paper, he said that if parents, when they conceive children, have oxybenzone in their system, which it's over 96% of Americans currently have oxybenzone in I their system. I saw that statistic that yeah. you gave me, yeah. And it's right around 85% of uh, mother's milk has oxybenzone in it right now. Um, if they both have that in their system and the, the unborn fetus is exposed to that, they are 30% more likely to be born with endocrine systems that are compromised. So endocrines like thyroid, pituitary gland, all sorts of things like that. Um, they are 30% more likely to have estrogen receptors that don't work as well as they should. They are 30% more likely to be exposed to neurological disorders like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Mm. So if you really look at it, when exposed to um, an oxybenzone, an octanoxate, something like that, a normal sunscreen, you put it onto your skin, within 30 minutes they can test your urine and find that your estrogen levels have changed. Wow. And, yeah. and I saw you'd put something in there that this is this can even result in feminizing male fish. Oh, yeah. So tell me about that. I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, what are we talking what? about? <laughs> so there's a lot of fish, and this is kind of a bizarre thing. Um, I was unaware of, of the depth of this, but um, there's a lot of fish that actually start out as female, and then when it's time to breed, they convert to male. Mm -hmm. So in Hawaii, there's one, the parrotfish, that and we have them here too. Oh yeah, yeah. You convert from female to male, and they, only a couple of them when it's time to to breed, right? And so there's only a couple of the males around, and and they're very different colors. They look kind of peacock colors instead of you know white and red and brown. If too much estrogen is in the water, they can't make the conversion, mm. right? So mm -hmm. I've just heard that there's a, a blue head wrasse that does the same thing, where even if the the male um, gets eaten by something else, then the largest female converts to male, and then that becomes the breeding person. It was a hilarious article about it because that now new male is like a teenage boy. Can't get quite get the breeding right. It just, <laughs> it just cracks me up. But if there's too much estrogen in the water, it doesn't allow that. Now, if you go the other direction, androgen, if you have a whole bunch of that in the water, more of the fish come out male. If you have too much estrogen, more of them come out female. And when you end up with these things like oxybenzone and octanoxate, there's actually pictures of dottyback larvae. They're, they're little tiny fish that they use for testing quite frequently. When exposed to those chemicals, uh, the larva has things like um, the organs form on the outside of the body, some of them with aneurysms. It's 
it's really spooky stuff. Really bizarre, yeah. Really bizarre. We actually have a video online. I think if you go to to stream to see and look up the YouTube, there's a video where somebody it wasn't ours, but but somebody else did this where they took our product, a control group, and then a standard sunscreen. And I don't know what the brand is, but it had the host of chemicals. The in usual, it. yeah. Yeah. So the control group, obviously, just water in an aquarium, right? The other ones, we put a certain amount, and you can watch him put it in. I don't know what it was. It was a significant amount of the, both products. And they watched to see what would happen. For the first couple of seconds, the ones in the Stream to See aquarium, they kind of freak out because you just dumped a bunch of white stuff in their aquarium, right? And so they're kind of swimming around, yeah. and then they mellow out, and they stop eating for about five minutes, and then they start eating again. With the control group, they're eating all the time, right? Because they're like, this is great. We get free food and we don't have to work for it. You put them into the competitor's products, same situation, just a different set of chemicals, ingredients. They stop eating almost immediately. Within the first 15 minutes, they stop eating. At the 96-hour mark, one of the control group fish had died. None of them in the stream-to-sea tank and three of them had died in the competitor sunscreen. According to aquatic toxicity laws, 30% attrition is just fine. So it's fine that three out of 10 had died and 30% of them had died. That's cool. No yeah, big deal. whatever. It's just fine. I mean, I guess you can look at it and say fish have less of a lifespan than us, right? Okay, so I'm trying to be... Yeah, a little bit objective, <laughs> right? right. You, I guess it would be hard to control exact the exact age of the fish that went into the three tanks, but sure. continue. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> hoping that human toxicity is not the same. Yeah, go ahead and lose thirty percent. It's just fine. No right? big deal. Right. I think people would probably have issues with that, but fish can't do lawsuits, so you know whatever. They don't have a voice in this. Um, by the time you look at toxicity, right, it has to say ninety six hours is when they have to die for it to be considered aquatic toxicity. But if you watch the rest of those seven fish. They're bloated, they're swimming upside down, they're swimming sideways, they're banging into the side of the tank. They have not eaten in 96 hours. Their neurological systems are fried. It's like a horror story to watch this wow. thing. We actually were at a fishing show at one point, and that video was running in the background, and a parent came up saying, why did you tell my kids that the fish are all going to die? I'm like, I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't realize they were watching the video, but it's true. It's right? true, It, it right? happened, right? Mm -hmm. So this is what's going on. It was actually a test for bait fish for fishermen, because if you put your hand into a bait tank, you could lose 30% of them in 96 hours and, you know, I mean, oh. this sort of thing. And their movement rate goes way down. Mm -hmm. By the end of two weeks, everything in the tank was dead. Everything was still alive in the, the other, other tanks. tanks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So to me, it's pretty clear. Yeah. And so because they're they're not hitting that 96, that 30% or whatever, the 96, right. they're they're able to get passed through the, the regulations. Is right. That, yeah. It's not aquatic toxicity because they didn't all die fast enough. So you mentioned um, bleaching. What does that actually do? Sure. So when you look at a healthy coral, it's usually kind of a brown-green color. It has kind of a fuzz on it. It's got its own algae that's growing within it. As it starts to come under stress, the bleaching is the algae kind of dying, and really what it's doing is, is harming the immune system of the coral. So it can recover from bleaching uh, if the rest of the environment is okay for it to recover from bleaching. When it gets to a certain percent of bleaching, it's not likely that it's going to come back. But um, it's just saying that the coral is under extreme stress. And so any other, you know, 
toxins or environmental concerns that come up can do that coral damage, and then it doesn't come back. And is it called bleaching because it literally bleaches it out in yeah. color? Okay. Yeah, it's literally white. And so I was just down in Antigua. I guess they call it Antigua there. They don't use the, the U, which was shocking to me. <laughs> but in Antigua, and I saw corals that I had never seen before because they don't exist in Hawaii any longer, but... I could tell the stress because instead of having the the bright, vivid colors, they were more of like the whites and they were starting to like the, the browns in them and the greens were starting to fade and you could see and the we were actually on an eco tour and they had talked about sunscreen. So I was really happy about that before they got in the water, but um, they were pointing out, okay, this is one that we don't think is going to survive. We actually have a really interesting photo that uh, is a coral researcher that was in the Cook Islands and was trying... I saw the picture, I think, yes. that you were about to refer to. Yes. Yeah. So she had normal sunscreen on, right? What I would call a chemical sunscreen. She had a chemical sunscreen, and it had a different combination of things, you know, octanoxate, oxybenzone, octocrylene, all sorts of different things. I don't know what the toxic cocktail was, but yeah. but it was. And, and I'm glib about that. Yes, I, I know what these chemicals do, so I am opposed to them. Um, she had it on her hands and it was a really rough day and she had to monitor the same areas of coral every week. So it was a really rough day and rather than banging her scuba tank into the brain coral, she just lightly touched her hand one second and pushed off the brain coral because she didn't want to damage it. When she went back a week later, her handprint is bleached into that coral. It's been close to a year. And it's still there. And it's still there. And we don't know whether it's ever going to go away. And we don't know whether the coral is going to survive that contact. Because normally it's through the water. It's not a direct contact on the coral. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, she was mortified, right? And sent it to us knowing that Autumn Blum, our founder and cosmetic chemist, is amazing with that. She's a master diver and, you know, really a protector of the reef and everything environmental. Um, sold her last company and did this as a passion project. And that's actually where I am also. I sold my last company a number of years ago and am in this to try to make an impact on the place that I grew up. But this poor researcher, you know, what happened? How come my hand's, you know, in there? So we've sent her some of our products <laughs> and exchanged and said, sorry, you know, do better next time, you know, right. sort of deal. But she was heartbroken because that's her job. Right. right? She was passionate about making sure that and she's the probably thinking survived. it probably would have been better to let the scuba tank hit the thing. Right, right. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it could have fractured off and survived. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know that um, there's an organization here in the Keys that does the planting of the corals. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's Coral Restoration Foundation. Yes. Now, are they, I don't know if you know, but are they just here in the Keys or do they do that sort of planting? Is that the same organization that was doing the the restoration work? I don't know that it's the same organization. I know there's a lot of organizations around the world that are doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in Castaway Island in Fiji and they had a whole bunch of these little baby corals in a certain area that was damaged the last time they had a hurricane. So see, I mean, that hurricanes damage coral. Um, pretty pristine environment over there. I saw a lot of really healthy coral, but even there, they're trying to make sure because of all the other impacts, right? Get out ahead of it before it makes a difference. So you talk about Fiji and Antigua, apparently, (laughs) (laughs) and here in the Keys and obviously Hawaii. So it sounds like you travel around quite a lot. Is there, are there certain areas that you see that are worse affected by this than others? Well, I've spent the most time in Hawaii, and for me, that is the most amount of time that I've been able to watch from relatively healthy to where it is today. 
And don't get me wrong, there are some areas that there are less people getting into the water, that the water is moving more, you know, uh, rapidly. It's not a bay. It's not sedentary sort of water where there are still some corals that are doing okay. Now all the other factors come into play. Right now, you're talking about the ocean acidification, the climate change, anything else that can affect that, including um, fertilizer, right, from farms runoff, anything that does that. In Hawaii, there's a lot of septic systems, so any of the sewage getting into the water can have all of this. Which one of the commissioners brought up last night that these chemicals that they're trying to ban are in a lot of products, and it's true. Not just in sunscreen. It's not just sunscreen. Right. He was talking about um, and he mentioned all the brands. I was kind of shocked that somebody would mention the brands in public. I'm yeah. not going to. <laughs> but there was hairspray and, and, you know, lotion and conditioner and shampoo. And yes, that's all true. And that's all washing off right into the ocean as well. I'm thinking that eventually that will become another issue that people are bringing up. I was going to ask, yeah, yeah. is that something that maybe we'll see that as the next wave of products in general, not just sunscreen? That's my hope, and that's actually why we make all of them at this point, right? We're trying to be sure that everything that we put out is clean and fixes the problem. So to give you an idea, Autumn went diving in Palau. Uh, between companies, she decided, okay, let's take a little break and go diving in Palau. She was at her safety stop, so she was, you know, 15 feet under the water and was watching as a bunch of people were dropped off of a boat. And you have to sit there for three to five minutes, and so she was sitting there and watching this rainbow effect come off of all the people. Like the oil slick. The oil slick, oh, exactly. My gosh. So immediately it was, wow, that's really pretty. And then, wait a minute, as a cosmetic chemist, she went, what is that? Right. And then started researching. So if you picture a dive boat and, and I'm about to get my dive certification, so I'm not a pro at the diving yet because I grew up in Hawaii and everything's about 12 feet that I need to see. Right. And my parents would drop us off and say, just stay within the barrier reef. Right. Yeah. So you were fine. 12 feet deep is about all you need. Um, she's watching all of this and she's watching how people are on a dive boat, putting sunscreen on before they go on their dive. They jump in the water. They come up after their first dive. They shower everything off. They put sunscreen on again. They do their, you know, safety stuff. They, they stay above for whatever time they have to, you know, an hour, hour and a half, whatever it is. They jump back in the water. They get back out. They shower again. So she made a shampoo. It was eco-certified, whole food certified, and organic. We had an order for thousands, actually hundreds of thousands of bottles, and it was a beautiful product. She said, I'm not sure that it actually worked. So she put two drops into the aquarium on her desk and everything died. Okay, and we're now mourning the loss of these things that all had names that had sat on her desk forever and had to start the whole company over again, right? Let's make sure that it actually is okay for the aquatic environment. So where people will say, do not test on animals, totally agree. Right, Because we have all the chemistry in the labs and everything that needs to be done to be able to test that. Unfortunately, we don't have that for the aquatic environment. Oh, interesting. There has not, they have not done the testing on aquatic animals, and especially not down to the larval stage. So there are scientists that are doing it, but there's no certification for it. So that term, reef safe, is, or coral safe, or reef-friendly, coral-friendly, whatever you want to call it, there's no regulation for that. I was going to ask that. Like, how do you know if one is technically safe? You know, they because they could just put on the bottle reef safe and it really yeah. not be to the layman person that doesn't know the difference. Right. At this point, it's all marketing. 
right? It really doesn't mean anything. So the hope is that it's an ethical company and they've done their research and they've done their testing and all that, but it doesn't happen very often. So I know that there are plenty of them that I would consider to be reef safe. Yes, there are plenty that I would consider to be human safe, that I'm not worried about coral larvae doing that. But there are a lot of them out there that use the term and it doesn't take long to figure out that they're still going to do harm. Yeah. So, now, is there, a, is there an ingredient, like uh, just a normal person could read on the label and go, oh, th- this definitely is a, is a uh, toxic chemical. You know, if they, if they sure. say they're, put, they're putting Reef Safe on there, but then you see a certain chemical on there. Sure. So really what I look for, um, and even according to the American Cancer Society, if you have somebody that's very um, sensitive or you have children, they recommend minerals, right? So if it's a chemical that you cannot figure out what it is, I question it. Yeah. Is right? that old name that's like 13 you know, letters long? Right, right. There's a bunch of them that if, you're, if your brain keeps going, wait a minute, orthothoxyl, some from from minisate? Yeah, okay. I don't know what that is, right? If you can't identify it. The ones that I look for are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And if you want to go the full way, we are a non-nano titanium dioxide product. And what does that mean? Non-nano means that it's not a nanoparticle. A nanoparticle, it depends on what the product is. The micron size is very small. So what I've seen in some of the nanoparticles on the MSDS sheets, the material safety data sheets, is it will say that it's toxic to the aquatic environment. So it's probably a lot better for humans than it is for um, than the chemicals, but... I still question it for the aquatic environment, and I haven't personally tested it. There are also a lot of inactive ingredients that give me pause, like I'm not sure. Um, some of them being the, the essential oils that are coming out now, like um, lavender and tea tree and peppermint. They have antimicrobial properties to them. There are certain microbes that fish eggs really need. Oh, right. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. as long as they oxidize, they're out in the the air, Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned about it. I'm a little bit more concerned if it goes directly into the water because it may not break down fast enough for it not to affect fish. Yeah. Now, speaking of things going into the air, I know that aerosol is, you know, a huge issue and a no-no and I admit that I have used them and sometimes still do but I'm gonna not do that anymore um so why why is the aerosol product I guess is it the aerosol or is it the fact that it's being sprayed into the air with the toxic chemicals that's a little bit of both it depends on what the aerosol is made of but what it is if you follow the directions on a normal can and this is not my science there's a gal named Melina Fagan that has done a lot of work with this and come up with a number of videos um, and she has a name, bum, bum, bum. She calls it the sunscreen footprints of death. Oh, boy. <laughs> I love that term. That's not my term. That's a little bit dramatic. But what she showed was pictures of people applying aerosol sunscreens. And I don't know the brand or anything like that. But it would be what she called a typical chemical aerosol sunscreen. If you're standing on grass and you spray it on your feet, if you come back the next day, you can see your footprints nice green and everything around them are dead. I was just in Idaho with a friend that owns a rafting company. And she said, there was a guy putting on aerosol sunscreen with my favorite plant behind it. And the next day it was dead. Do you think there's a connection? Yeah, that's not a coincidence, it Hmm, sounds like. Yeah, I said, let's go into the science on that one and just figure out what's going on there. So the problem is, if you apply it, per directions about 
usually 8 to 10 inches away, something along those lines. My understanding is there's only about 18% that actually adheres to your skin, and the rest of it goes airborne. According to Craig Downs, he did a study in McKenna State Beach in Hawaii, and they could register on a fairly calm day 450 meters away. We're talking about more than five football fields away. They could register the chemicals in the sand. Wow. They also have a study where there's a natural preserve for waterfowl. It's not on a public beach. Mm -hmm. It's away from the beach. All of the eggs of those birds are coming up with all of these chemicals in them. So the babies are being born with all of those toxic chemicals Mm -hmm. already, Mm -hmm. right, from birth. And that wasn't a direct application. That wasn't from the water, right? Some of it could have come from the mother, but it's in the the shells of the eggs. So it's got to be some sort of... It's tied in somehow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then if you just extrapolate from there, right, all of the baby crabs that are born on that beach are being exposed to it. Then the birds are eating them. And then the mahi-mahi eats the the, bird, right, right? And so it just continues to bioaccumulate. Now, in theory, then, as humans, obviously, that eat fish, I mean, then we are consuming it if we theoretically get that fish and, and eat it. Yeah, and Dr. Downs actually has a study of the amount of each of the UV filters that are in the muscles of fish. And you've talked about other brands that do the sort of reef environmentally safe. Are there, what makes you guys different with Stream to Sea than, like, for example, I'm familiar with Reef Safe, and, and I'm sure there are others out there. Like, what makes your product better or different than those? Well, being on the Safe Sunscreen Council, I, I hate to um, really just focus on us. The one big difference that I like is really how it feels and how it works. Right, the stuff's amazing. It stays on forever. It you don't get burned. It doesn't feel bad. It's not greasy. It actually has antioxidant properties, so it ends up curing your skin. The tubes are made out of sugarcane resin. I thought that was amazing when you told me that. That's awesome. So everything we can do to be as clean as we can, we do. Um, We actually, uh, as far as I know, like I said at the beginning, is we're the only ones that have tested and proven. So, like I said, I've looked at the formulas of a couple other ones, and I go, yeah, they're, they're probably good. It's whether or not it works for you, whether you're going to use it, right? I mean, we had somebody with one of the chemical sunscreens use a, a great term. The, the sunscreen that we like best is the one that people are going to use. Right, yeah. Right? So, as far as I'm concerned, usually you get something that's good for you or good for the environment or it's nice to use, Right? You might get two out of three of those, but it's rare to get all three. Yeah. Right? And this one, you actually get all three. So, I mean, our shampoos and conditioners are amazing. Yeah, and you were telling me about the one, was it the shampoo that you yeah. can get out of the ocean and it gets the salt off of you? Well, our shampoo actually has all of the enzymes necessary to break down everything in wetsuits. Mm. So, anybody that's going diving or, you know, nobody pees in their wetsuit, right? But uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Uh, the dive show, they said there's only two types of people, the ones that pee and the ones that lie. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. That's funny. So, yeah. Well, I'm not a diver yet. I'll get back to you on that. Um, but I've been surfing for years. And, and sure, you use wetsuits, but it even has uh, enzymes to break down the urea. So it's an amazing product. And what we find is a lot of things that are wetsuit cleaners or mask cleaners or boat cleaners or things like that actually are very toxic to the oh, environment that they're yeah. working in. Okay, right, right. And mass defoggers and all sorts of stuff. It actually works really well as a mass defogger, too. Or you too. can just spit in your mask. That you works, can, too. sure. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on how hot you are, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I, it can fog up. Autumn is, is constantly having a foggy mask. So that's about the 
the only time I see pictures of her is underwater with a foggy mask. So nobody knows what she looks like, yeah. right? But um, the conditioner actually has all of the antioxidants to repair the, what the sun has done to your hair. And when you put it on you after getting out of the salt water, it takes all the salt water off. So when I was teaching my daughters to surf in the Big Island, my wife came running out and said, we have reservations for a fancy restaurant. We need to go now. We didn't have time to go back to the condo. Well, if I'm in a warm, humid environment, I'm totally opposed to putting on dress clothes. That is so uncool. So we put the conditioner all over our bodies and went right to dinner. It was like we had showered. So I have nice hairy arms, and it sticks to your shirt, right? Or anywhere yeah. where the salt is sticks well, to your pants. Well, then you just feel like you have that film on yeah, you. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. This takes care of all of it. It's our number one repurchased item, and the, the divers love it. Although you know, I will say, as a, as a female, like you get that salty hair kind of thing going, and you got the texture and the... Right? Oh, you're liking that, huh? Right, I like that part. So okay. I'll just I'll just get the salt off the like you know the body and that's leave it just because you have straight hair. Almost everybody with curly hair hates it. <laughs> that's right? true. Yeah, <laughs> very long straight hair. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't work well with that. But even things like that, the term biodegradable, everybody thinks that biodegradable means that it will break down and be safe, right? So a biodegradable soap when you go camping or whatever, we're going to take that with us. And many of them have tested to make sure that it is non toxic. But biodegradability actually means 30 days in sewage sludge. It does. Ooh. ooh, yeah. Who's swimming in that? Gross. Yeah, gross. But that is an incredibly bacteria-rich environment. And my guess is that's because they're trying to make sure that it gets through. It, it won't go through a wastewater treatment plant with still being toxic. Mm-hmm. It could kill everything in the ocean up to those 30 days. And it may never break down in the ocean or in salt water or in freshwater, right? So either of them. We actually had to pay labs to test in saltwater and freshwater. And that's really, when you say what makes us different, I don't know anybody else's testing, right? I don't know what they're doing. We're really spending a lot of time concentrating on making sure our products are great and not what anybody else is doing. But we really have gone to extraordinary lengths to make sure that what we have is as safe as it can be. Yeah. Right? Even to the point of spending seven times what it costs for a normal plastic tube to put it into a sugarcane resin tube. We just want to make sure that it's as clean as it can be and does the least amount of damage while doing the most helpful right stuff that it can. Now, price point wise, just out of curiosity as a consumer, do you get is it com- competitively priced to the other sunscreens? Like would somebody maybe not purchase it because it's a lot more expensive? Well, yeah, and that's one of the concerns that was brought up last night, and that's one of the concerns that I hear quite frequently. If you understand how to put on a mineral sunscreen, it goes about four times what you think it will, right? So it really does not take very much. A little goes a long way. A little goes a long way, and it's pretty easy to tell whether you have full coverage. So that's what people were saying last night is is it might not work because people can't tell if it goes on too clear or it does whatever. Well, ours goes in so you can hardly see it, but you can pick up a shine. Mm -hmm. So as you're doing it, you can see what areas are covered. And if you're one of those people that... um, can feel it like me. Um, I'm a really lousy paddleboarder, so as I go to do um, the buoy turns, I don't move my feet well enough. That's also why I don't surf well. <laughs> I do everything, but I don't do any of it well. Uh, I enjoy myself. Uh, where my paddle hits my calf, I know that that is going to be a hot spot, and I can feel it. So that's where I'm going to reapply. But I have gone six or seven hours without needing to reapply and got no sun for the day, right? Because the stuff is so effective. So yes, back to cost. Let's make sure we actually hit that and cover it. You can get sunscreens that are chemical for three ninety nine, 
whereas ours might be $16.95. Like I said, ours probably goes four times the distance, but you're still looking at a couple dollars. My question at that point is, do you care about your reproductive system? Is it worth a couple dollars per bottle to be able to pull that off? Yeah, because at the end of the day, if it's four dollars a bottle for the non, you know, for the for the bad stuff, and that goes four times, it's like sixteen dollars. So you're basically we're talking about ninety five cents here at this point. Right, like, right. It's really not that big of a difference, and it's so nice with all those antioxidant properties that it's like putting on lotion. Right. So, I mean, you're actually curing stuff that's ailing you while using a sunscreen. So it just has so many different levels. Plus, with a mineral sunscreen, depends on the inactive ingredients. I don't know about competitors, but for us, you can put it directly into your eyeballs. It does not sting. You can eat it. I really don't recommend it. It tastes awful. <laughs> I'm the human that they test on when you say that. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and I'm still able to speak, right? <laughs> I mean, with some coherence anyway. But um, <laughs> it's so clean that you literally can put it directly into your eyeballs with no sting. If you've ever put chemical sunscreen or had it run into your eyes, you know that it, it is a life-altering situation. Yeah, everything stops. I remember as a kid, like off. we would go to the pool and my mom would put sunscreen on me everywhere except on my forehead because it would sweat and then run yeah. down into my eyes and I'd be screaming, you know, bloody murder. Yeah. And so it was like hat, you know, to protect this part and everything else had sunscreen. Right, right. Well, at this point, I have a rep that that's his favorite thing to do at trade shows is just stick it in his eyeballs, you know, <laughs> just just for people. I'm kind of grossed out by that. And if you have contacts, please don't do that at home, right? You're yeah. going to get a film. We don't recommend <laughs> you trying this at home. <laughs> well, you can totally try the, the eyeballs, just not with contacts, yeah. right? Because there's nothing in it that's going to cause any problems. <laughs> um, one of the other questions I had, you mentioned earlier, you know, about being on the, with the tour boats and things like that. And obviously being in Key West, that we have a ton of that. We have a lot yeah. of tourists that come into town. They go out on the, the sunset cruises and the yeah. reef cruises and things like that. My question is, do you feel there is a, a a responsibility of the tour operators to, I mean, I know the city's working on this, but is right. there something that sort of the everyday Joe here in town or the mm -hmm. re, the operators going out to the reef can or should, in your opinion, be doing to move this movement a little bit more forward? Well, now you're asking a moral and ethical question, right? So I'm going to share my morals and ethics. Yes, if I'm taking 200 people out to a reef every day, I want to know what they have on. Right. So to give you an idea, there's a place in British Columbia, uh, Lake Cowichan. They have a thousand inner tubers a day getting onto the river and floating down. For the last two years, they've tested the salmon eggs. None of them hatch and they've found sunscreen chemicals in them. And this is according to the Canadian government. I'm not making this stuff up. I don't know. I haven't been to Lake Cowichan, you know, but the Canadian people were in an uproar kind of like the public in Key West is right. from last night. They sent news people out to interview this tuber and you know, pretty much blamed the business owner, right? You're killing all of our salmon, right? That's a really important thing in British Columbia. Right. It's a really important thing in our ecosystem. It's important to me when I go to brunch and I want a salmon, you know, breakfast. <laughs> See, there you go, right? What happens when they all go away? And yeah. their numbers are really shrinking. So he ended up uh, going through about a two-hour training with me so he could actually answer 
When the news showed up, he thought he had a clean product and then found out the night before that he didn't. So luckily he and I got together. 5.30 in the morning, I did a two-hour training with him right before he gets on the news at 8 o'clock. Wow. So he told the Canadian people, I think I have it figured out. And what he does, we have a card that's the ingredients to avoid. And it just so happens to be about everything that Palau just banned. So most people are banning oxybenzone and octanoxate. Palau banned 14 things. And they actually put a $1,000 fine to it because... The only thing they have going from, for them from a tourist perspective is this reef, right? So they're trying to keep it alive. Lake Cowichan, if you show up to rent an inner tube, he takes your sunscreen, puts it up to the ingredients to avoid list. If you've got any of the ingredients that don't work, you don't get to rent a tube, okay? If you haven't put any on, and he will touch you to find out. Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, like, what about people that sneak it in? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he will. Like, look, if it's greasy or whatever, he can smell it. You know, most of them you can smell. He actually has a large container of it that you can rent the tube and just use his sunscreen. Nice, yeah. Yeah, all the salmon eggs have no sunscreen chemicals in them this year, right? So we're thinking they're all going to make it. That's an impressive turnaround in one, one season. Year, right, one right? year, right? Yeah, not even a year at this point, right? They're not intertubing right now. It's cold everywhere but here in That's Key That's true. I forget the rest yeah. of the world. Is, uh, <laughs> well, it's cold today. It's like, what, 73? Uh-huh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> shorts weather in BC. That's, that's come on. Are you kidding me? That, I'm, I'm not sure they could take off enough clothing well, to be Well, it's funny. I left to, to come here. I had just like a little cardigan on, and then I walked outside. I was like, wait a minute, need jacket. <laughs> right, right. You guys are cracking me up. We're funny. Yeah, from Idaho, this is balmy. <laughs> yeah. So um, what I'm looking at is, yeah, we actually have a program that's a safe sunscreen pledge where they can buy it very, very reasonably for a, a boat like that that's taking a bunch of like people Like a big out. wholesale kind of. Yeah. Like- yeah. It's a big 32 ounce with a pump. We even give them a thing to mount it, right? Kind of a display to mount it onto the boat. We give them stickers that all they have to do is point to the sticker and say, you have to have this on to be able to use, you know, our facilities here and go out on our reef. And to give you an idea, a 32 ounce, if they were covering their whole body, we hope they're wearing a rash guard. We hope they're wearing a hat or a scarf or whatever they need to cover the the little areas. But if they weren't, you could get about 200 applications out of a 32-ounce bottle. That's a lot, right? If they are wearing rash guards and things like that, you can get four to 600 applications out of it. So it's very reasonable for them. To give you an idea, if they sold about six or seven of our little three-ounce to those people that are on board when they use it and they go, man, this stuff's great, yeah. right? I need this stuff. They sell six or seven of them and it was free to them. Right, so we and those boats hold. I mean, a hundred to two hundred people if they're full. Right, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know they. Right, it's huge. It's a lot of people, and we've talked to a lot of them. Right, and we're we're getting some traction with this sort of deal. Um, The dive operators all up and down the coasts in Florida are using it like crazy and starting to use it in Hawaii and a lot of different places. And we're really trying to make it accessible to them. Right, this is about more of a mission. If we were trying to just be ultra profitable we would go with a plastic tube we would go with chemicals because chemicals are super cheap right your profit margin is huge ours would not be right because we're trying to do it right and we're trying to keep it accessible so the ingredients that you find in our products are also found in high-end cosmetic sunscreens that are about 40 bucks a bottle so when you say sixteen ninety five, seventeen fifty, whatever, nah, it's a bargain. And that it goes that far too, right? Yeah, no, that right. makes sense. And you talking touching on like cosmetics. Um, 
I also own a, a hair and makeup, you know, company. And so I'm thinking even too, like, I wonder if there is some, I don't know, play into the products that we recommend to brides, for example, when they're getting yeah. their makeup done or, you know, so are in, in cosmetics, are the harmful chemicals typically found in when you have like, say a foundation that has sunscreen in it, is mm -hmm. that typically the bad stuff? That you You'd have to look at the label okay. because there are mineral makeups for sure. Mm -hmm. And so I just saw an article out of China, right? Uh, honestly, I think that the U.S. is going to be one of the last to jump on board with this, mm. um, probably because of, you know. Capitalism. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, we've got lots of freedoms. It's a wonderful place, right? I love the process. But when you go to some place like China, they just did a study that said, and and. Uh, don't quote me exactly, but I'll give you the paraphrasing the and, and the yeah. gist of the, the study because I don't want anybody calling me out on it. I'm, I'm from memory. I just saw it. It's only been out a couple of weeks. But the girls that were trying to be more American in certain areas, they've been doing studies on them. And I think the study was over the last 15, 20 years. I, I cannot remember. But they started using things that they hadn't used culturally in the past, like uh, shampoo, conditioner, lotion, sunscreen, um, some of them are using whitening agents because they want their skin to be lighter, mm -hmm. and they're using makeup. The average age of menstruation went from 12 to 8. Wow. Yeah. So the only place that I'm aware of that is trying to ban those chemicals in everything, uh, France was looking at it just recently. Mm -hmm. And my understanding, I was in, in Paris oh, probably eight weeks ago, and every place that I went, I was trying to find clean products, mm -hmm. right? Just mm -hmm. where's a clean sunscreen? And I couldn't find any. And really, and I even had to translate them. My French is a little rusty from high school, right? So I'm like, I don't know how to translate chemicals in French. I mean, <laughs> Benzo, oxy, whatever. Right, I had no idea. I had enough trouble finding the restroom in French, right? So, so um, what I think is happening is France, their number one export, at least my understanding, once again, don't quote, but I know one of their big exports anyway, is beauty products, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Food, probably, yeah. right? I mean, there's some amazing things that mm -hmm. they have. Champagne. No. There, there you go. So, okay, now I know where your mind's going. <laughs> I couldn't think of a single car. No, Citroen and Peugeot, but I don't think they export oh, them much. Yeah. See, there you go. I'm working on it. The brain's still functioning a little bit. So... Um, I think what they're looking at is they're starting to see this trend going towards we need to protect the people. We need to protect the babies. And really, that's what it's about. My, you know, we have a, a hashtag protect what you love. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Ingredients matter. There's another, you know, hashtag. But I've taken that myself. And what I say is, is protect the babies, protect all the babies. I don't care whether they're coral or human, right? So my last life, and I still do a lot of parent coaching and, and how to raise kids and, and education. I do a lot of consulting with, with schools. And my wife now has taken that over. She's been a teacher forever and a master Montessori teacher. And my concern is I'm not sure that there's going to be a place for these kids to grow up into. Mm -hmm. Right? So we're trying to create these incredible humans, but if they don't have an environment to grow up in, it's not going to matter. Yeah. So my hope is we get this fixed in the next 15 years so I can go back to doing that. Right? Because you were um, a principal before, right? I owned a school. I owned three schools for 18 years. Owned a school. That's something you don't hear every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And your wife's Montessori. So was it a Montessori program? They were Montessori schools, yeah. And I am a certified positive discipline teacher and positive discipline in the workplace and all sorts of things. So we've consulted with a lot of schools. We've actually consulted with a lot of businesses. And it's all about 
you know, just how do you get firm and kind and, you know, positive interactions. And is that kind of where the tie in to, you know, wanting to make sort of the next better for the next generation? Like obviously you have an affinity for, you know, education and things like that. Is that kind of where that stems from, you think? Yeah, I think for me it was it was the endocrine system going bad. It was watching my personal reefs go bad. And then it was that realization that, wait, I'm raising these kids, right? I'm helping all these parents raise these effective kids. I mean, one of my favorite books, the title will resonate, um, Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? And and how fitting. I'm going to have right? to look that. I have a seven-year-old, so yeah. Yeah, there you go. You're in it. Positive Discipline is one of the books, and that's the other one. Mm-hmm. But when you look at that and you say, okay, we're doing all of this work to create these incredible humans, but then they're not going to have an environment where they can survive, mm-hmm. right? Um, I had one person quote that once the reef dies, we have less than a generation before we won't be able to survive. And just logically looking at it and saying 70% of the oxygen in the world comes from the ocean. So when we kill it, how much longer do we have? Right. Right. So to me, it. So that ties back into why you should care. (laughs) Right, right. And I'm not one of these doomsday people, right? I mean, that's just not my deal. I I think there's. Like you said, you're hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. very hopeful. I just think we need to do something quick. Right. And according to those scientists, I hope they're wrong, but we've got about 15 years. Right. And, and there's a lot of work to be done in 15 years. But what it looks like to me typically is it needs to get worse before it gets better. And I'm hoping that it doesn't get bad enough that we can't undo it. Yeah. Right. And I'm hoping that these other places, I mean, if you look at the places that have banned this, right, we're talking about Hawaii, Palau, Aruba, um, Bonaire, Curacao. It's these really, are major tourism, you know, tourism areas. Right. And working with somebody like the Inland Ocean Coalition. These are people in Colorado, in Montana, that are looking at it going, what we're doing in these places so far from the ocean is going to affect our livelihood. It's going to affect our lives, our environment. We're not going to be able to breathe, right? So they're starting to watch what they're doing all the way out there. So when people say, somebody said last night, well, these are people that aren't even getting in the water. But are they getting in their shower? Right. Right? Because it's going to get to the ocean eventually. And I just learned last night that you guys do deep injection wells for your wastewater treatment plant. So it goes way down there. Well, it's getting into an aquifer somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're able to drill it all the way down to whatever the core is, right? I mean, yeah. and then it melts on its own or whatever. I'm guessing it's getting into the water system eventually. Um, just for our listeners. So we keep saying last night, what he's referring to is the city commission meeting. Item ordinances, first reading 15. An ordinance of the city of Key West, Florida, entitled Sunscreen, Section 26-223, entitled Sale of Sunscreen Products, Penalties Providing for Civil... And so can you speak to that? Because I know you were there and it was very well attended. And kind of what was the the sense in the room? Did you find that most people were pro, most people were against? What were some of the questions or or things that came up that you found either surprising or um, encouraging? Sure. So I'm guessing there was 51, 52 people that testified or got up to speak. Got their three minutes. Got their three minutes. Yeah, that was impressive. How do you get this, uh, you know, hour plus uh, podcast down to three minutes? What was the most important part? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I had somebody that I was training the day before that I went through about an hour and a half training with. And I said, now, what was the most impactful three minutes? Because that's what I need. That's what I need to tell tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. So 
Uh, I would guess that there were probably 40 people that were in support of the ban, mm -hmm. and most of them were people that worked on the water every day. I'm the executive director with uh, Reef Relief, a uh, local nonprofit. My name is Sean Martin. I am the chair of the Florida Keys chapter of the Surfrider Foundation. My name is Dee Dee Quigley, uh, 518 Elizabeth Street. Chris Berg, I'm the South Florida program manager for the Nature Conservancy. Dora De Maria, education coordinator for Reef Relief. Dr. Patrick Rice, the chief science and research officer at Florida Keys Community College. Brian Vest. I am the founder and president of the Conquer Republic Marine Army. Captain Mel, Island Time Charters. Christine Green, I'm a charter boat captain down here. Captain Victoria in Palamani, I have been uh, chartering for 43 years. Dennis Gill, I uh, make my living on the ocean. Callie Harris, I am the K-8 marine biology teacher at Sherlove School. Lindsay Reese, I am the science teacher at May Sands Montessori School. Sarah Aylwin, I am here to support the ban. Deirdre Fitzgerald from WS Badger, one of those manufacturers that makes a natural mineral sunscreen. Misty Lister, I'm here on behalf of All Good. We are a mineral-based sunscreen brand. Dr. Harry Fallock, I am a plastic surgeon who started making sunscreens 30 years ago. Uh, my name is Joe DiNardo. I am a retired toxicologist. I've made uh, dozens of formulas of sunscreens. As an individual toxicologist, this kind of serve as a fact. They were people that were boat captains. They were researchers. They were, you know, um, reef relief group. They were the Nature Conservancy. There was all sorts of folks down there. Interns from Moat Marine. Uh, there was an incredible girl. I wish I had her name. 12 years old from the local Montessori school. Aww. And there was another one. I remember her name. I think it was Lila or Leela that also got up and spoke. They were incredible, right? And for them, it was very simple. And really, it should be for us, right? It's, do we know that this is going to fix everything? No. We know that it's not going to fix everything. But it is something that we can do. And we wanted to do it before it was too late. And that was the general consensus. There was a lot of information about... Um, what people like the American Cancer Society has said. And when you Google oxybenzone, we had one person from a chemical industry say that uh, he only knows of two or three papers on oxybenzone. And the next person that got up had Googled on his phone, I put in oxybenzone and found 246 papers on the negative effects, the toxicity of oxybenzone. So it's not hard, right? Just Google that stuff. And there is an emotional bent. Maybe my favorite brand of whatever happens to have those chemicals in it, and I don't want to give it up. And there was concern that you could get it from Amazon. Mm -hmm. That was my other question. Like, so we do all this work and we get the band passed and then people just order what they want to wear from yeah. wherever. Yeah. Because to be clear, the ban is on the sale of products in Key West that right. contain these chemicals, not right. on the use of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's no way to regulate or prosecute or anything if somebody brings it into the area. My hope is the people that are doing the majority of the damage, like, you know, putting 300 tourists or whatever it is at a time onto a reef, are the ones that are going to do it. And what we look at is concentrations. So everybody says dilution is the solution. That's the chemical companies. I don't buy it. So in tests... In Hanama Bay, in Honolulu Bay, in 
McKenna State Beach, right? All of these places that actually exist. One of the people said, you can't duplicate it. It's in the lab. It's not actually happening. Eh, no. These tests were actually on a bay that exists. <laughs> in real um, life, yeah. <laughs> Bahia Honda, oh, right? Yeah, They've right. actually done it as close as there. Mm. So if you want to look at it, it's 62 parts per trillion of oxybenzone that is considered acute toxicity. So at that point, coral larva starts to die, okay? Or at least is bleached and damaged. I think the number is close to 180, so it's between 62 and 180 parts per trillion. And to give that sense of scale, that was the one drop in, what was it, six? Six and a half Olympic-sized swimming pools. That's crazy. So to give you an idea, I'm 50 years old. You can tell that my voice is nice and deep and everything like that. I'm I'm trying to... (laughs) (laughs) I'll say you have a good podcasting voice. Well, I have a face for radio. That's exactly right. (laughs) So the deal is, at my age, I'm unwilling to get into Hanama Bay because I can't handle the estrogen, right? I'm trying to keep everything in its place, right? I don't want it shifting because we've added hormones that don't belong there. Well, if you're in Key West, I mean, we do have men that turn into women every night, so you can That's just awesome. hang yeah. out with them. Yeah, we were watching one last night. And, you <laughs> They're know, wonderful. Yeah, she was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's not about that. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> Although there is a fish in Hanama Bay that a marine biologist calls Pat because it's been trying to convert from female to male for the last couple of years, and there's too much estrogen in the water to do that. <laughs> like, okay, that's hilarious. That's that is, not my joke. That was theirs. So, funny. yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, but what I'm looking at is if one person gets into a swimming pool, everybody has different statistics on how much comes off in the water. Right. Mm. So I have heard as much as 60 percent. I've heard as low as 20 percent. There's companies in other countries that are saying none of it comes off. I don't believe that. I think you'd need a sander or a grinder to get it off your body. Right. As soap wasn't going to do it if none of it comes off. So if 20 percent gets off, if you've slathered all of that all over your body, all those chemicals and then get into a swimming pool. It's also my understanding that many of these chemicals react with the chlorine to create another noxious problem. Oh, lovely. But yeah, we're not going to go down that road right now. (laughs) But I look at one large gentleman with, you know, hairy arms or something like that gets into a swimming pool that I'm in. I get out because I don't want to have my urine tested 30 minutes later and find out that I'm like nine pregnant ladies. That's not cool with me. (laughs) Right. So so really, when you talk about all these things like price and, and, and effect, even if it's only a fraction of what people are talking about, why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. Right? It just doesn't make any sense. Right. So, yeah, I'm I'm totally uh, invested in not being in those bays until we get this out. According to um, different stories that I've heard, Dr. Craig Downs, when he was in Hawaii as they passed the ban, it doesn't go into effect until 2021. Right. He has said, congratulations on passing the ban. In 2023, I may allow my daughter to swim here. That's how significant this is, right? It's altering our whole potential future path. So we had a lot of people in favor of this ban. True. So let's talk about the ones that didn't. Yeah. So tell me what the ones that weren't in favor, what did they, what were the concerns that that came up? Yeah. So there was a number of them. The, the biggest ones, uh, the biggest contingency group or they were, they were the, the dermatologists. My name is Andy Weinstein. I'm a fourth generation Floridian, a president of the Florida Society of Dermatology. Dr. Terry Cronin, and I'm also a dermatologist. 
I'm from Melbourne, Florida, and I'm representing the Florida Society of Dermatologic Surgeons. Daryl Pruitt, Northside Drive, uh, Key West Dermatologist. Karen Ross. I'm the Vice President of Government Affairs at the Personal Care Products Council. Carlos Gutierrez, I'm the Vice President of State and Local Government Affairs for the Consumer Health Care. The dermatologists are concerned about skin cancer, rightly so. Rightly so, yeah. I'm very concerned about skin cancer. My grandfather died of malignant melanoma, right? That doesn't happen as often anymore. It's, it's definitely treatable. But I watched my grandfather fastidiously put on sunscreen every time he was out there. He was wearing a hat. He had on gloves. He was a fisherman and an outdoorsman and always in the water in the sun and always covered up, always covered with sunscreen and just gooped up. There's no research that shows that the mineral sunscreens don't work. And I can tell you from my experience that most people that wear our sunscreens say, I wanted more sun. I went with your lowest SPF to get more sun. Mm -hmm. And they really don't get any, right? So the same requirements that the chemical companies go through for the SPF factor and the waterproof factor and the time, whether it's 40 minutes or 80 minutes of, of uh, protection, it's all the same tests. So we've passed them all. Uh, one of the commissioners brought up a consumer reports that said that none of the mineral sunscreens were in the top 13 products for protection. According were, to who? According to consumer reports. Okay. They didn't publish their testing testing methods. But when we go back and find them, they're actually a test that the FDA used to do 15 years ago and no longer uses because it's not as accurate. So they didn't use a new one, and they also didn't test our product. So um, the general consensus was, yeah, we need to pass this. So with that, Sherry, can you call the roll? Commissioner Davila. Yes, to move this to the second reading. Commissioner Hoover? Yes. Commissioner Kaufman? Yes. Commissioner Lopez? Yes. Commissioner Wardlow? Yes. Commissioner Weekly? Yes. Mayor Johnston? Yes. Motion carries. A number of them said, and I, I think there was at least two commissioners, said, uh, we're going to vote for it now, but we're not sure that we can vote for it in the second round. And that's the one that's important, right? So, so there's going to be another vote on February, February 5th, 5th, 2019. Yeah, February 5th. And, and my hope is that all the same people that turned out, plus new people that have heard about it, are going to show up for that one. Because it's very easy to vote against something if your constituents aren't sitting there. Because we tend to underestimate the apathy of the American public. Once it is voted on, it's gone. We don't really think about it again. So I'm hopeful that all of those people are going to show up. And I've actually reached out to the mayor and the commissioners and said I'd be happy to come down and speak, you know, individually. And my company sent 49 pages worth of science. And I have about 200 pages more that I'd be happy to send them with the specific studies and everything, hoping that we don't ignore the science. Well, and that's why I've reached out to them to say, you know, don't take my word for it. Here's the science. Are you going to be speaking at some of the local like chambers and, and rotaries and all those? Like, because I know a lot of groups get together. That might be an opportunity, too, to kind of help get the word out. I'm happy to. 
I have reached out to the Montessori school and uh, one of the people that was the marine biology teacher at one of the schools locally. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to educate them as much as I can. One of my favorite talks was actually for a sixth grade class. I was going to say, I bet getting to kids early and giving them yeah. that education, then that kind of, they are like you said, that's their norm. Like they're raised with right. that information and it's just normal to wear safe yeah. sunscreen. So this, this one little gal, okay, they only had 30 minutes and then they had to go to lunch. And I heard them all getting their lunches out and they stayed for another 45 minutes through lunch because they wanted all their questions answered. Oh, yeah. And I had one little girl say, sir, I don't mean any disrespect, but I think that your generation may have screwed mine up. (laughs) And the teacher was, you know, aghast. Oh, my goodness. You know, and I said, no, 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 (laughs) she's not wrong. I don't think it was my generation. It was probably my parents. But we were ignorant and we just kept going along with it. And so I said, you know, as a member of this generation, I would like to formally apologize. But what I want to tell you is I can't fix it on my own, right? It's your environment. It's where you need to grow up and I need your help to fix it. So I love doing those sort of things. If anybody in Rotary or schools or any place wants to do it, I've had a dive shop put up, you know, the the uh, PowerPoint on a big screen. I wasn't even there. I was in Idaho. and Was that Divers Direct? No, no. but, but uh, they're very involved with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of groups. I mean, at this point, one of the concerns that came up is that you can't get all these products. There's not enough of them. Well, there's tons of them. We're in more than a dozen places here in just Key West. We're in over 1,400 stores out there. And the probably three other clean brands that I, you know, saw present there, they're there as well, right? And they're all over the place. So it's easy to fix. Um, The chemical companies were pretty much on the same on, on the boat with the dermatologists, like we really like oxybenzone and, you know, it, they say it's effective at, at blocking the sun. I'm a little concerned about that. I'm not even sure that it does. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of these conspiracy theories. I have no facts yet. What I'm looking at is just from a logical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, you were saying your grandfather, right? Yeah. That was like always putting on sunscreen. Always. And, and still... he kept getting these malignant melanomas and they kept coming up. But my understanding, the difference between mineral sunscreen, I do know that mineral is, is on top, right? So it bounces off. When you look at the chemical sunscreens, they're designed to soak into the skin. And they're a UVA and UVB absorber. Mm, okay. okay, instead of a bouncer. Energy. Right, it doesn't bounce off, it absorbs. Where does that energy go? It seems like the absorption would put it into your body, right? Right, there's my concern. See, now you're just following logic like I am, mm-hmm. right? I don't have the science behind this. I'm sure somebody does, we can probably find it. But my concern is once it goes into the skin, that energy doesn't go away. So does it turn into free radicals? Mm-hmm. And then does it support more cancer? I don't know, right, or disease or anything like that. Because my understanding is since we've started using sunscreen, our skin cancer rates have gone up by four times. Wow. Right, so it's not insignificant amount. That's not an insignificant, yeah. Right? So you get a lot of people, same thing like, you know, different diseases or different, you know, issues within the human race have come up. People have said, well, you know, autism is exploding. Is that because we now diagnose it better? So I don't know. Maybe that's the case with skin cancer. Right, yeah. But it feels like we have so many environmental toxins that are leading to more of these things. I don't remember people dying of skin cancer. My grandfather was the first one that I ever knew, right? So I don't know. 
That's one of those questions that I can't answer, but I'm not comfortable with it, right? I don't want the skin, the sun's energy going into my skin. Right. Yeah, it should be bouncing. And when I, you touched on the the UVA, UVB, what does that exactly mean? Like, is that a different rating for different sunscreens? Well, to be considered a broad-spectrum sunscreen, you need to be able to prove that you can block UVA and UVB rays. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way for me to say what those are, um, layman's terms, a UVA is the aging rays, right? So you just think A, aging. Okay. Right? Um, UVB is the burning. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So that's as simple as I can put it. Um, the... The beauty of a mineral sunscreen with titanium dioxide like ours is that it blocks the UVB rays incredibly well and the UVA pretty good, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So how do you make it a more effective broad spectrum? You add all those antioxidants, right? So when we were talking about free radicals, that's what antioxidants are for, right? To, To fight that. So it becomes a broad spectrum sunscreen. Now, some of our, our partners that are using zinc oxide, zinc actually does pretty well at both. Right, it'll do UVA and So yours UVB. is titanium. Ours is and titanium. Some are, some are zinc. Yeah. We're one of the few that is titanium. I looked at, um, in the past, if you had a gnarly skateboarding accident, they would put your legs back together with zinc screws. Mm. Too many bodies rejected them. So they started using titanium. And that's what's in most dental implants and things like that because it's one of the most inert things that you can get. Mm-hmm. Right? And zinc is pretty inert too. Mm-hmm. Um I, well, I even think of like when we were shopping for, I mean, this is many years ago, but like rings and stuff like yeah. titanium doesn't usually affect the skin right. like other metals will. Right. Yeah. That's exactly why we go with that. Right. And and I like the feel of it. Right. It goes on very nicely. And I'm sounding like I'm taking credit for all of this. Oh, no. Autumn Blum's our chemist and, and formulator. And she's amazing at it. She is a cosmetic chemist. And that sounds like makeup to me. Yeah, but it's also going to be all the beauty products, okay? right? So anything that you're really going to put on your skin. Um, and she used to do a company called Organic South that was all the Theranine products. So she's been working with these sort of things for a long time and is an incredible formulator. Mm-hmm. You know, she can usually come up with stuff in minutes and then everything else is testing mm-hmm. to make sure that it actually isn't going to cause any harm to anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fun to work with her because there's we have probably 50 other products that we can bring out. Mm-hmm. The problem that you run into is expensive sugarcane resin tubes, and yeah. <laughs> you know, let's <laughs> let's figure out how to get this really sustainable, so we're not impacting anything with that product. And then, is that necessary? And the 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 sugarcane resin tubes like break down more than obviously than plastic doesn't. Well, it's not that it's it, it's still considered a plastic. It's just considered a bioplastic. Okay. Right. So, will it break down? Yeah. But we can't call it biodegradable because our products have a three-year shelf life. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's actually kind of nice about the difference between a mineral and a chemical anyway. The chemicals aren't as stable, so they don't have a shelf life that lasts as long. Mm -hmm. Their SPF factor does not last. Typically, it's a year, Mm -hmm. and we're, you know, three years because of that. So I don't want the two biodegrading in your dive bag. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because then you get mush. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or the bottom of my kayak or something like that. Or even your, you know, lip balm or something like that. You don't want it biodegrading in your pocket, right. you know, on a sweaty day because that's like... Melts in your mouth. No. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right. And you don't want a Hershey kiss melting in your pocket, right? And that's the equivalent. Yeah. And um, you brought me a little sample kit here, which I'm 
totally going to make use of. So uh, just to kind of describe, so you've got, um, you've got a lip balm here and I'm sure you have other products, but you've got a shampoo and body wash, which we kind of talked about, I think earlier, Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously sunscreen, and this is a SPF 20 and you have other levels, I'm assuming. Yeah. That's, there's a 30, a sport. Okay. Right. That's one of those things that a lot of people are, are, there's really a misconception about SPF factor. Right. So a lot of people think you need to have 50 or 100 because, of course, if you can get 20 and it's good, then 100 must be better. Must be better. That's my. Yeah, that was always my process. Yeah. So we're really good in this country at listening to marketing. Right. Yeah. So really what it comes down to. And once again, my numbers aren't 100 percent accurate because we've we've typically rounded up or down. So. SPF 20 is somewhere around 95% of the UVA and UVB. Okay, 95. Um, You go to SPF 30, and you're talking about somewhere around 97. You jump up to SPF 100, and it's around 98.7. So you're talking about 2% difference between an SPF 30 and an SPF 100. How many people are going to even notice? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So can you get to higher than SPF 30? with a mineral sunscreen. You can, but now you're talking about the equivalent of spackle or house paint, right? Well, it's just about, I mean, some people would do it. The The lifeguards, if you remember lifeguards a long time ago, they, they had, had like the, the solid nose. white nose. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, that was typically a zinc oxide at about a 25% concentration. Nothing is getting through that, right? It's <laughs> yeah. this solid white house paint, right? So you can, and some people do, and if you need it, rock on, you know, go for a 45, something Mm -hmm. like that. Go try for a 50. But most of the time when you get above a 30, it has chemicals, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's good to know. And um, and so what other products do you sell other than these that I have in front of me? Um, well, or, are the, or is, are these it for uh, now? For now, that's it. You, we do have a, a soothing lip balm. Oh, and you also gave me, I didn't say this. The, oh, the sting relief the gel. The sting relief gel. Tell me about that. Yeah. So the sting relief gel is made because Autumn was trying to get a fish to pose underwater. Oh. And it was not cooperating. <laughs> and she drifted into a fire coral. Mm. Okay. Well, that's going to catch your attention. Yeah. Fire coral is no fun. She was lit right up. Mm-hmm. Right. So the dive master that was with her said, hold on a second, um, went underneath a brain Did coral. Did he pee on her? No. no. <laughs> she got this stuff put on her and he counted with his fingers underwater to five. And by five, the sting had gone away. So as a cosmetic chemist, she motions, get some more, right? And then she found all the enzymes in it and put it into that product. So it's amazing antioxidants. It's got aloe vera. It's got, you know, peppermint, cinnamon, all sorts of stuff in it to help heal a little bit of tea tree um, and all of these enzymes in it. So within about five seconds, fire coral, Portuguese man of war, jellyfish, all of this thing is gone. So we have somebody that just sent in a testimonial recently that had breast cancer and it, and had a double mastectomy. And her skin was so fried from it that it didn't have any elasticity. And so they said, we don't know if we're ever going to be able to do reconstructive surgery on you unless your skin can handle it. So for the last month and a half, she's been putting on our sting relief gel and then our body lotion. The dermatologists are freaking out about how much elasticity is 
has returned. And so it looks like she's going to be able to do her surgery. So she's starting to share it with all of the different people on her ward. Well, that's not something we made it for, but it has such beautiful properties to it that it really does well with it. We do have two SPF lip balms at this point, a 13 and a 30. Mm -hmm. They are a mineral-based lip balm. So if you put them on like a normal chapstick, just rub them all around, you're going to end up looking like a clown <laughs> or a juggalo, depending on the people that know that reference. They kind of look like clowns. It's fine. Can I open this? Yeah, please. Okay. It's for you. So what you do is you just kind of dab a little bit on there and then kind of rub it around with your finger or rub your lips together, and then it'll go nice and clear. Does anyway. it spin it or spins does it at the top. At the top. Yeah. Ah, oh, there we there go. go. Okay, spinning. And I'll put pictures of this on the blog. There you go. So you just do a little bit and then rub it around. Okay. Oh, and it so it looks really like white, yeah. and then you put it on, and it's pretty clear. You can rub it in clear, and yeah. And it rubs in clear. Very nice. Yeah. So mineral sunscreen, one of the concerns is that people wouldn't use it because it goes on too white, mm -hmm. right? So if you apply it correctly, that's really not a problem, and we actually have a cure for it. We have a tint, mm. right? So with the white, or the tint, you put about a pea-sized amount on your index finger, put it between your palms, rub it together, and then blot it on. Oh, you were saying, yeah, yeah. okay. So if you blot it on and then rub it in, if you picture um, titanium or zinc are both minerals, right? So think of chalk. So if you put that, can I make that noise on here? Yeah, you totally. Use the normal sunscreen Lovely. noise. Lovely, that's yeah. a good, oh, I like that. <laughs> you're good there. If you do that... It's only going to spread a couple inches, right? So you're going to look like Casper the Friendly Ghost. So it'll apply it correctly and it goes away. If you want to use um, a mineral sunscreen all the time, I love the tint. Two reasons. A, women love to use it as foundation. Right. Yeah, right? I was even thinking, like, if you don't want to put makeup on that day, you just throw this on. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that every day. And it has such nice antioxidant properties that it it is so helpful for their skin anyway. Most guys... You got to get over it, guys. They think that that is like makeup. And what I look at is wherever I don't shave very well, that's where it's going to pick up more of the white mm -hmm. or in my arm hair or leg hair or something like that. It turns everything else prematurely white. Yes, my goatee is totally white, but my arm hair is really dark. <laughs> so if you use the tint, all of that goes away. You don't see it. Right. And so it's really impressive that way. You still get the shine. So you could tell if you have enough on. Mm -hmm. And like I said, uh, I can feel it if I start to burn. My wife can't. So she just puts it on every two and a half, three hours. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm just opening it here, the tint, because I want to see it in yeah. real life. I know you gave me testers, but these are mine. So I'm going to. Yeah, you can play with yours. See so. if I can get it open here. Yeah. Oh, there we go. All right, so I have so the... So wait, don't... Oh, okay. Don't stop. Stop. Do it right. Don't do it. Put okay. a little bit on your finger. Oh, on the finger. That's right. You said that. Okay, I'm yeah. putting a little pea-sized amount on the finger. dab it around in little dots. Dab, dab, dab. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And now spread it in. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, is, does it come in different tints, or is it one tint? Well, at this point, we have the white and we have the neutral, okay? Mm -hmm. It's... If you have really, really dark skin... Mm-hmm. It's going to turn you a different color. It'll, yeah, you'll see it. So yeah. that. So if you put that, can I make that noise on here? Yeah, if you totally. Use the normal sunscreen. Lovely. Noise. That's yeah. a good. Oh, I like that. <laughs> you're good there. If you do that, it's only going to spread a couple inches, right? So you're going to look like Casper the Friendly Ghost. So it'll apply it correctly, and it goes away. If you want to use um, a mineral sunscreen all the time, I love the tint. 
two reasons. A, women love to use it as foundation. Right. Yeah. Right? I was even thinking, like, if you don't want to put makeup on that day, you just throw this on. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that every day. And it has such nice antioxidant properties that it, it is so helpful for their skin anyway. Most guys, you got to get over it, guys, they think that that is like makeup. And what I look at is wherever I don't shave very well, that's where it's going to pick up more of the white mm -hmm. or in my arm hair or leg hair or something like that. It turns everything else prematurely white. Yes, my goatee is totally white, but my arm hair is really dark. <laughs> so if you use the tint, all of that goes away. You don't see it. Right. And so it's really impressive that way. You still get the shine. So you could tell if you have enough on. Mm -hmm. And like I said, uh, I can feel it if I start to burn. My wife can't. So she just puts it on every two and a half, three hours. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm just opening it here, the tint, because I want to see it in yeah. real life. I know you gave me testers, but these are mine. So I'm going to. Yeah, you can play with yours. See if I can get it open here. Yeah. Oh, there we go. All right, so I have so the... So wait, don't... Oh, okay. Oh, stop. Stop. Do it right. Don't do it. Okay. Put a little bit on your finger. Oh, on the finger. That's right. You said that. Okay, I'm yeah. putting a little pea-sized amount on the finger. dab it around in little dots. Dab, dab, dab. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And now spread it in. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, is, does it come in different tints, or is it one tint? Well, at this point, we have the white and we have the neutral. Uh, we do have a people of color formulation... Don't hold me to it. I'm not telling you when it's coming out. Because what we found is that um, African-Americans actually, from a percentage standpoint, get more. Um, well, they die more frequently of melanoma. Oh. And it's because you can't see it when it's coming up. Oh, right? right. So it's not as noticeable. And they don't think to get checked for it because they've you know, got such beautiful skin, they don't normally have to worry about that. So, and I think there's a, a perception, and maybe this is just mine, but I think there's a perception too that darker skin people have less chance of getting skin yeah, cancer. Yeah. So maybe they don't protect their skin right. as much because they're like, oh, I'm fine. Right. It's true. It, right. They don't get it as much and, and it doesn't affect them as much. But when it does affect them, it's harder to tell. And so they don't usually don't get it checked and, you know, that sort of thing. Obviously, broad generalizations, but yes, that's the, the yeah. case. The one product that you don't have in there, and I'll have to get you one, there's a soothing lip balm. Oh. And the soothing lip balm to me is amazing because I have been addicted to lip balms. I'm going to try not to say any brands. Mm -hmm. I have been addicted <laughs> to lip balms since I was 16. To give you an idea, most of them dry your lips. Mm -hmm. They have things in there that feel really good going on. When you on. put it on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you're almost addicted because now it dries your lips out and so you keep doing it and it becomes a mental thing. Obviously, I need some counseling. So <laughs> a Three or four times an hour, I would apply it because that's how dry my lips got. Mm -hmm. And I know there's about a quarter of the people that are listening to this are going, yeah, that's yeah. totally me. I've been like that. I feel like as soon as I put it on, like I, I almost wish I don't don't put it on because then once I do, then I'm like, now I feel like I have to put it on all day. Right, yeah. right, right. Because it's actually drying your lips out. So um, if I left the house without it, I would have to stop and get some, you know, for the day. Like or you I can't would just go, go nuts. the day without No, yeah. I was totally OCD. I was losing it, right? <laughs> so I start using Stream to Seas lip balm, the soothing lip balm, and I used it like a normal lip balm for the first two days. Mm -hmm. And then I started noticing, wait a minute, I'm not using it as often. Mm -hmm. And now I'm down to probably three times a day. And I bet if I got counseling, I would stop. <laughs> you know, maybe some electroshock it's therapy or something. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> mental. It's like, I need dessert. No, you don't. <laughs> so it's it's all about um, 
like I'm I'm at trade shows or I'm talking on things like this, and mm-hmm. if I'm talking all day long, I probably still apply it only about three or four times a day. Yeah. And that's amazing to me. One tube has lasted me a year. Wow. And my whole family and you're knows. you're like a, you're a chapstick user, a totally. lip balm user. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> you used a brand name. I know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Correction. <laughs> so I, um, my whole family knows that I always have lip balm on me. And so they'll always ask, dad, can I use it? And so our family of four, mm-hmm. they only use it, you know, once or twice a week sort of thing, just when they think about it. Well, I'm thinking my daughter's lips get super, super dry. Yeah, yeah, but literally, you'll only buy one a year, unless you need a lot of counseling, too. We can we can go into that afterwards. <laughs> we can start the lip balm therapy group. That's here. it. Actually, I ran into somebody that had to go in rehab. Like, they actually had to hydrate her lips. She had to be 30 days in a hospital. What? Because she had applied so, so much, much that her body could not cope anymore. Wow. Yeah, I had never heard of such a thing. I have a weird job. That is a very strange like realization that there are yeah. people out there in the world. If you are one of those such people. Yes, please tell. go to streamtoc.com and look up our lip balm. We can help you too. Yeah, I'm listening. No, I think we, can't. we don't want to go down that route. But really what it comes down to to me, you're only going to buy one a year unless you lose it, mm-hmm. leave it in the dryer or maybe a hot car. Right. And. If you're a retailer out there, everybody does that, so you're mm-hmm. fine. You can still carry them. Yeah. <laughs> and and speaking of retail, are there shops here in Key West that are already selling this these products? There are. Here, I think we have about a dozen people oh, that awesome. are selling it in Key West. Yeah. So and, I'll put that like in our show notes. I'll put a link to all the places so far, and I can update it as more more places you know start uh, adding on. So you can get it in Key West at Divers Direct, Fins, Captain's Corner, mm-hmm. South Point Divers. Mm-hmm. Date and Time. Oh, nice, yeah. Reef Relief, Key West Bait and Tackle, Key West Eco Tours, World Sailing Adventures, New Leaf Skin Care, and Mel Fisher Maritime Museum. That's a good list. Like, those are those are big places. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure there will be more and be able to put that up for you yeah, when we get there. Yeah, definitely. And our big thing is when we get somebody in there, we want to do education about it because there's so much misinformation out there. So we train all of the retailers. We want them to try it. We right. want so the them employees to use the product. know what to say. Yes. To, yeah. Yes. It makes such a difference, you know, when they can steer people one direction or another. What's the difference? If somebody asks, what's the difference? We want them to really know what that is. Yeah. So obviously our platform is all about educate. And really, if the public would go along with it, as a company, we would much rather educate than legislate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I would rather not have to do a ban, honestly, mm-hmm. but the public is not moving fast enough. They're not taking to education fast enough to be able to do what needs to be done for us all to stay on the planet. Yeah. Well, hopefully now that the conversation has been really ignited and a lot more people are seems like they're being more interested and involved and speaking up at things like the city commission meeting. Hopefully it will become, like you said, more, it, it's almost like makes it less socially acceptable to use right. the wrong stuff and uh, puts a little bit of pressure on companies that take people out to the reef. And when you go into retailers and you're asking for this type of product and they don't have it, if enough people that becomes a thing, then they'll start, uh, they'll yeah. start obviously offering it. Well, in Hawaii, where they've watched their reef die, people will approach you on the beach. And they'll mm-hmm. tell you not to use the sunscreen. I had said I wouldn't go into the water in a lot of the places there. I went surfing off of a point mm-hmm. in Kauai because 
I knew the concentrations in that bay, and I wasn't going to go in that bay, but I would go off the point where it was flowing well. So I went surfing, and I had on the tinted sunscreen. Mm -hmm. And there, they're not familiar with that yet. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of misinformation, and they go with the really, really white stuff. And two guys came up to me while surfing and went, hey, bro, you got to get out of the water. You got the wrong sunscreen. I'm like, oh, this is going to be funny. Yeah. yeah. You have no idea who you're talking to. <laughs> you know to. who I am. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I kind of am Mr. Sunscreen. So they all got a nice free tube of the, the tinted stuff. Yeah. But for them, that was kind of their, you know, white is the new green. Mm -hmm. Like we're watching out for our place. And if you're wearing the wrong stuff, we're kicking you out of the water. Yeah. We don't want you around damaging what we have. And I could see QS being a community like that too. Because, oh, yeah. you know, obviously our livelihoods, whether you're directly in the tourism industry or you're a banker, right. all of it is affected by people wanting to come here and see the beautiful reef. And if there's no reef for them to see, or they can't go in the water because it's gross, like, yeah. that affects all of us. So. Still a beautiful lifestyle here. And, and I was so impressed. Um, Commissioner Lopez was talking about how four years before any place else, we were um, paying attention and, and celebrating Martin Luther King Day, right? Mm -hmm. and, and talking about how Key West was the first in so many things. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things where they can be the first too. Hawaii passed it, but nobody on the continental U.S. Really? And everybody's eyes are on Key West right now. And they're watching what's going to happen. And it's not just about do we want to keep our shampoo or, you know, whatever whatever we're concerned about. It's are we going to affect the planet at, to this extent? And if we can get cities and counties and states in the United States to ban this stuff, it's amazing how many other places fall in line. So we're already watching other countries. You know, we have other countries that are calling us directly and saying, the governor wants to meet with you. Mm -hmm. The president wants to meet with you. We've done our research. We know that you're super clean and we want you out here. Key West has that opportunity. They could be the ones that are the, the first domino and the rest of the places fall. I know of at least 17 different counties right now that are watching this to see. And if Key West goes for it, then they go, we can too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're going to watch what happens here. So I hope they stick with the same legacy. Let's be the first. Martin Luther King was incredibly important, still incredibly important today. Mm -hmm. So is oxygen. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So is the reef because it's supplying all of our livelihood. Mm -hmm. And even people that are watching it every day, watching how five years ago we can already see the destruction of the reef. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of education that has to happen. I hope that the legislation just begins the education mm -hmm. and everybody goes from there because there's a lot of things that we can do. Yeah. yeah. Let's take care of the rest of it also. Let's start with sunscreen because we can and it's fast and it's easy and there's replacements and then let's move into everything else. Yeah, I love it. And is there anything that we haven't touched on that you definitely want to make sure people know before we kind of start to wrap up? I mean, really, it comes down to, you know, we can talk the science on this for days. I was just having lunch with a, a toxicologist that looks at everything from the toxic level and just to see what is the effect of each of these things. And and literally, he and I were just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for an hour and a half before I realized I was about to be late to come to see you. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> it, it can go forever, and they can break everything down into the little chemical levels. I have a lot of faith that the science that's currently out there is the best that we have, and it's saying that we have to make these changes and are there more changes yes but let's take the ones that we can baby yeah. steps right and just making those steps and encouraging people to take action and move in that direction of using stuff that doesn't harm the environment or yourself 
Right. Yeah. Be open to it. Let's mm-hmm. learn. Let's let's do something that's necessary. And where can people learn more about this topic in general and your products? You can find us at streamtoseed.com. Now, the way you find that is stream, the number two, S-E-A dot com, streamtoseed.com. We have all of the ingredients to avoid. We have lots of science. We've got some beautiful underwater pictures, you know, all sorts of things. Um and what I look at is following the people that are, are really invested in this sort of thing. So if you look at divers, divers are one of the easiest people to convert because they look at it and say, protect what you love. That's our deal. And they've watched it. That coral researcher that touched the brain coral and forever has her handprint etched into it by bleaching the coral. Yeah, she's made a change, mm-hmm. right? It was really fast because you can watch it. You look at people that are label readers, Mm-hmm. Who reads labels like crazy? Health food stores. Mm-hmm. We're in tons of health food stores. Natural grocers banned all chemical sunscreens two years ago. It cost them a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But natural grocers does the research themselves. It took forever. We introduced a new SPF 30 cherry lip balm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful product, right? They have every other one of our products out there. It took months because we had to certify that the cherry fragrance was organic and edible. Oh, yeah. Right? Because fragrance can, if it's synthetic, can do a lot of damage. That's impressive research, right? Who does that? Right. Right? Just sell it. We can make more money off of it. Mm -hmm. No, they're unwilling to do it. So when people like that embrace us to this extent, you go, huh. Maybe we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're on the right well, it sounds like you're you're moving in the right direction, and yeah. uh, I'm so glad you came over and uh, told us all about this and your products and kind of the movement that you're behind. And uh, definitely, I'm going to encourage people to go out to stream to the number two csea.com. I'll also have um, all of those locations here in Key West that are currently selling those products in the show notes. So thank you so much for for coming over and uh, being here on the show. Great, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for helping me educate. <laughs>